Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball. Bruce Levine. It's great to talk some baseball. Score Baseball Insider. Covering the Cubs and White Sox for more than 30 years. Bruce Levine is a newsbreaker. Inside the Clubhouse co-host, alongside our own David Haw. We've got a lot of baseball conversation to cover. Great being with you, talking baseball. Bruce Levine. That's a really good question, Bruce. See, Bruce, that has the first hard question. With Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Mully is out today. Hope he is feeling better soon. Now joining us on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline is Bruce Levine. Download the Circus Sports app today out in Arizona on the scene. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? Good morning, uh, David. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great day here. Beautiful sunshine. Baseball, both on the south and north side places here as we uh, travel up and back between Mesa and Glendale. Where do you want to start today? Well, I want to start today where you were yesterday, which I imagine was right there when Pedro Grafol was speaking. And in Glendale, Arizona at Camelback Ranch, first day of Sox camp, Chris Guest spoke on Monday, Pedro Grafol on Tuesday. Bruce, he wants us to believe that the Sox will find strength in their pitching. I'm trying to find reasons to believe in their pitching. I'm trying to figure out who these pitchers are. Is that going to be the strength of this team? Well, look, uh, it's a really a fair question, David, but um, what we saw pitching-wise from the White Sox last year was horrendous, okay? Uh, even uh, Dylan Cease, who uh, may or may not be the starting pitcher for the Chicago White Sox this year or starting somewhere else, uh, had, had a horrible year for him. And that, is, that included almost 190 innings and... 200 plus strikeouts, sixth in the league, but everybody else was was just horrendous. I mean, uh, the, the best pitcher for the White Sox last year was Mike Clevenger. He's no longer with the White Sox. So with with that said, I, I think I think the arrow is pointing up. I, I don't know how many games up it is from 61 wins last year, but you're gonna you're gonna see a team play better defense. You're gonna see a better attitude out there. You're going to be a better product to watch. As to how many wins, that that's anybody's guess, David. You and Espo interviewed Paul DeYoung on Saturday's Inside the Clubhouse, and it was a good interview, Bruce. What was your biggest takeaway from the White Sox shortstop? Well, just uh, just the, the the way that he looks at it. You know, the type of player that they brought in, like DeYoung, who's a who's a team player from a great organization, St. Louis, and 
you know, great training and, and team perspective. It, it's sad to talk about, about major league players and reflecting back on a team that didn't play together, that weren't good teammates to each other all the time, uh, that were anything but watchable. Uh, it was just probably the most horrendous year in White Sox baseball since 1970 when they lost 106 games. Uh, that was more projected back then, uh, being a bad franchise at that time. This was not projected or, or thought of. So wiping the slate clean is not going to be easy for Sox fans until they see it on the field. This year, the White Sox, you know, saying by, by White Sox fans is, we're from Missouri. That's the show me state. Show me that you're worthy of us watching you this year. I get that. I get that mentality. I totally understand and respect that, Bruce. I was curious what you thought of Pedro Grafol's demeanor yesterday. I think we have come mm-hmm. used to him being a very positive guy, a lot of positive energy, even when things are looking uh, as bleak as they were most of last season. He was, I don't want to say, he was borderline defiant, it sounded like at times yesterday, Bruce, reminding people that he had earned the right to be a major league manager and... uh I wondered where that was coming from. Well, if you go to our website, you'll see a, a different type of story. The one I wrote uh, saying that uh, Grafal needs to prove to White Sox fans that they're worthy. Okay? Mm-hmm. He and the players. So th- th- that's a different perspective. I was in the same interview. It's always interesting when you have writers writing different things that they see. Uh, from an interview, taking what they took out of it. I took out of it a guy that is still believes in that he deserves to be the manager mm-hmm. in the, the major leagues, but also understands that he has to prove it, okay? The proof last year was I can take over a team that's supposed to go to the playoffs, even though I've never managed in the big leagues, and, and do the job. That wasn't done. And this year it's I can take a young team – uh, and help build it to a point where it needs it, it needs to be in order to compete every day and win. So two different jobs, the same manager. We're going to see the type of baseball man he is this year with this team. But I, I think it's been very difficult for him. And if you put yourself in the same position, I think you'd understand it. The idea that you come in, you have a veteran team, they quit on you. You have to get rid of those veterans and then you have to pick up the pieces. That's where Grafal is at uh, going into this season with probably 20 new players on his roster. I don't think it's fair to compare Pedro Grafal and Craig Council, but I'm only doing so for the sake of the argument and because of proximity. Craig Council's strengths are easy to cite. He's had experience in Milwaukee. We know that he probably is the smartest guy in the room when he's in it in terms of from a baseball perspective. Pedro Grafal's strengths, I'm curious what you think they are or will, will will be in this second season. I think they were hard to find last year, Bruce. Everything seemed to fall apart, and it's very difficult to evaluate exactly what you have or what he is as a manager. You are out there as much as anybody. What do you think Pedro Grafal's strengths are? I, I think they're communication. Okay, good communication. And as he said yesterday, hopefully for the first time, he'll have a team out there that plays Pedro Grafal type baseball. What is that? Well, that's probably the same as any of the 30, 29 other managers want. And that is 
a team that goes out there, gives you everything it has, plays good defense, runs the bases well, hits in the situations, and is selfless when it comes to his teammates and the team. He had none of that last year. Now, is some of that his fault? I mean, certainly you're the manager of the team, so it falls upon you. It falls at your feet to be able to be responsible for it. He accepted that up to a certain point, and then at, at another point, uh, the front office had to do something about it, and they got rid of players who were not performing up to that level, who were not doing what they uh, had done in the past, who were pointing fingers everywhere but, them, but at themselves in that clubhouse. So you had, a, you had a room full of clubhouse lawyers that had to be traded. Again, analyzing Grafal as a manager, David, I think you have to start over and fresh from day one in 2024. Uh, give him a mulligan, not a Mike Mulligan, but a regular mulligan on the golf course and say, let's go, let's see what you're all about, let's see what your team's all about. So I'm looking forward to that. But the defiant part of him that other people wrote about uh, today is is real because he is a strong-minded baseball man who has great belief in himself. Uh, he just doesn't have the resume from last year to back it up, and that's why fair questions like yours are being asked. One more Sox thing before we move over to the Cubs and what's ahead today in Mesa. Bruce, wanted your reaction to Yasmani Grandal, how the mighty have fallen, signing a one-year, $2.5 million contract with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And why is Tim Anderson still unsigned? Well, let's say, let's answer Grandal uh, first. Uh, they have a young catcher. They're breaking in there. He's a very good young catcher, coming back from a little bit of an injury last year. He's uh, Grandal is going to be a backup catcher there. Uh, if if he catches fifty or sixty games, uh, if they use him as a DH uh, against uh, right-handed pitchers, if he can regain some of the strength in those badly. Uh, beaten up legs and knees, uh, they figure it's worth a couple million dollars. Certainly uh, one of the worst contracts in Chicago White Sox history, without question. Uh, I, I don't think you can, you have to walk very far away from that to say it was awful. But uh, that's that's why you have Grafal over there. But, you know, it's a significantly different contract on a one-year deal there. As far as Anderson goes, you know, I've been asking a lot of baseball people why, and they said, Anderson's going to end up with somebody soon here if he's patient, and he's had to be. I mean, it's already February 14th. But nobody looks at him as an everyday shortstop, and they wonder what type of second baseman he's going to be. Uh, he, he just doesn't, he doesn't fit right now for teams. As injuries occur to other teams and other infielders, I think Anderson's value will continue to go up if he's patient and he waits for the right situation. Uh, you know, teams that were looking at him, uh, like like the Marlins, uh, like the Dodgers at one point, you know, they seem to have moved on from that. But again, uh, keep your eye on injuries. Keep your eye on Anderson going to a team and, and being some middle infield help. But nobody, David, nobody seems to know who he is and how he fits in right now. You were in Glendale yesterday, Bruce, I assume? Yeah. yeah. You didn't park in Tony's spot, did you? I did not, but he certainly does have a spot with his name on it with the other executives of the Chicago White Sox. And I was going to take a picture of it just for you. Thank you very and, much. And, and tweet it out. Uh, thanks, but, uh, but um, you know, that's still, like you, it sticks in the craw of a lot of <laughs> yeah. people who watch the White Sox and go, 
won't this guy ever go away? Right? I mean, exactly. is, isn't that what isn't that what you you're probably saying? You know, yes. Please I, go away. Please. And he's not going away. I, I asked Grafal about Tony. He said his experience is great with him. He's he has he feels great that he can rely on him as part of the advisory group. And uh, you know, so Tony is still there. Uh, I'm looking around to see if uh, anybody else from uh, back in the day is going to be around to annoy you and other people if you see harold baines lingering let me know all right okay we'll do Dave. pitchers and catchers report today across major league baseball for the latest cubs and Sox news try listening to chapters from our show different specific chapters each topic we cover broken out so you can find what matters most to you to get started download the odyssey app then search 670 the score and tap on a recent episode of the mullion haw show or inside the clubhouse if you want to see saturday's great interviews with michael bush and Paul DeYoung with Bruce and Espo. Bruce, looking forward to rejoining you on Saturday. Where we'll be talking about the Cubs, I'm sure. So today, I imagine you're going to be in Mesa. Craig Council, Jed Hoyer will meet the media. Inevitably, they will address the Cody Bellinger dilemma. And yeah, it's February 14th. So it's a dilemma headed toward crisis. Where are you with this? Well, you know, again, it's uh, are you the questions that I'm going to have for for them today is, are you prepared for Pete Crow Armstrong to be starting in center field and Michael Bush playing for a space? In other words, how many bats is it okay for them to have to prove that they're ready to play in the major leagues? You know, we saw, you know, we saw an experiment at first base last year that didn't work out. Okay. Uh, what, what is your backup plan? Is Bellinger at 25 million, 27 million times five or six years, the, you know, the savior for this team at both positions in case those things don't work out. As we start today, you're probably going to hear Council saying, hey, I can only go with the people we have here. And right now, those two will be the leading candidates to win jobs for the Cubs. And, uh, you know, I get it. Uh, is Pete Crow Armstrong, David, in your mind, uh, any lesser player uh, from September 1st last year, till the end of the year when he went 0 for 14 with his brief time at the major league? Yes. I, I have to be honest. Yes, I have more doubts than I did on August 31st. I, I yeah. do. I mean, because I saw him go up to the plate and not get a hit 14 times. So I have more doubts, yes. This is where I drag out the Ryan, Ryan Sandberg 1 for 30 start and the Robin Ventura 4 for 41. You could guarantee me the PCA is going to be either one of those guys and have those kind of careers. I'd say, you know what, I'm being foolish. But right now, to me, it's like, okay, uh, Felix PA, uh, go go through the list of cup prospects that have fizzled. I just don't want that to be this guy because this guy is so much fun to watch. Yeah, no, I understand. Corey Patterson. Yeah. Okay. It's a long list, Uh, Bruce. For a a brief period of time. But, you know, the reality is, isn't that the fun of baseball? You know, they have these top prospects, and you wonder, are they the next great player? Are they a next good player? Are they a, a washout? You know, is it Gary Scott all over again? Oh, God, I remember the Chicago him. Cubs. <laughs> I mean, uh, again, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. And, and there is that Chicago anxiety, isn't there, David? Yeah. About, well, what can go wrong will go wrong. Is that still there, even though both – Teams have won world championships in, in recent times. I don't think it ever goes away. It's inherent. It's almost like a reflex is that when you hear a prospect, you want to believe the best, but you inherently fear the worst. Yeah, I, 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 but it, it, it's a, 
it's a Chicago thing. I don't, I don't hear it and see it that much. You know, when I talk to New York people or Los Angeles people, it just, it doesn't seem there. It's just. Well, the New York know, people won't let you finish your sentences, so you don't ever have to get it out. And then. Just like now. Yeah. You, can work, you can work there. <laughs> Come on, Bruce. I'll let you finish there. I'll let you finish your sentences most of the time. With David, David we'll, the time. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to continue this on Saturday okay. morning from, uh, from 9 until 11. I'm looking forward to working all baseball season with you again. Absolutely, me too. A couple quick Cub things before we let you go. Who's the fifth starter right now in your mind? For the Chicago Cubs, you know, is it, is it Wisniewski? Is it, um, you know, is there a, another surprise out there? I don't, I don't know. I imagine you're speaking for the Cubs because the White Sox is all over the place. Pedro said yesterday we have 14 to 15 guys getting stretched out. That's that's always that's always something fans dread to hear that we don't know who the uh, all the starters are going to be. With the Cubs, you know, it it could be him. Uh, it, it could be Ben Brown making the team out of spring training. It could be you know, down the road. They're certainly c- counting on Kate Horton to be in the mix as a starting pitcher by the middle of the year. I think they, they want him to have more seasoning. But uh, I think Brown is somebody that everybody should uh, take a real strong look at and say, this kid could make it out of spring training. And, Bruce, you seem very sure that when you refer to Michael Bush, you refer to him as a first baseman. He has experience at both corners and the Cubs still have needs at both positions are you anticipating Michael Bush to be the opening day first baseman I am but but again you know everything falls back on is Bellinger still the option out Mm -hmm. there you know and and does he play first or does he play center and if he plays first or center where is Bush as you're just suggesting and where is Pete Crow Armstrong is he the starting center fielder at Iowa to begin the season so those those things are uh, certainly interesting. I think the one thing, if you're a Cub fan, keep your eye on left-handed hitting. Okay, so Armstrong, okay, Bush, Bellinger hopefully coming back. Uh, th- those things are, are key for the middle of the lineup. They, they, they are void of middle uh, of the order left-handed hitting uh, pop, and you got to have it if you're going to win. And, and that's the one thing where Bellinger brings so many different things to the table but most importantly, a big left-handed bat, bat in the middle of the order. And when we saw it displayed beautifully for a long time from July to the end of the year last year when he had 68 RBI, the most in baseball from the All-Star game on. So I think the Cubs want Bellinger back as much as the fans do. They just have to play a different game of poker with Scott Boris, and they've been doing that all winter. Quickly, i got to ask you before we let you go, the Giants signed Jorge Soler three years, $42 million for a Cub lineup that lacks punch and pop at home run power. Were they ever in on it? Should they have been? And how does that affect no. the Cubs? No, I mean, he's a one-dimensional player. They have to figure out Christopher Morrell, okay? They already have a guy that can hit 35 home runs. He, it is Christopher Morrell. They have to figure out if he's a DH or a position player. Every time you and I talk to uh, executives on the Cubs, they say, well, yeah, he can play everywhere. Well, he might be able to play everywhere, but he hasn't proved he can play everywhere. He's not that defensive player yet. Uh, again, why isn't he the third baseman every day? Why, why, why doesn't he have that one position? So I think they have to keep the DH position open and uh, by tying it up with Solaire, who cannot really play. He can play a little bit, but 
certainly not defensively what you want out there on a daily basis for a team that is priding itself on winning and building through defense as well. well. Cr- crazy question along those lines. Has the Cubs, have the Cubs ever talked to Tim Anderson? No, I, I don't think so. No, no fit there? Does, no? He doesn't fit. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a below-average shortstop. He's an unproven second baseman. He's a guy that's probably going to hit again, probably 290 to 300, with no, uh, with no pop, with his leg issues. You know, you don't know it's, if he's going to be stealing bases a again. A year ago he, this he, time we're talking about how Tim Madison was such a great credit to America because he was sacrificing to play second base and look at what a good job he was doing. Yeah. Team USA. Was there a question, there a question there? No, there's not, Bruce. <laughs> my dime, my dance floor. We'll, you got it. We'll talk to you Saturday. David, you have a great day. Thanks. Thanks, Bruce. Out in Arizona, Bruce Levine, score baseball insider. Baseball inside the clubhouse, Saturday mornings on the score, 9 to 11. Looking forward to that show once again. When we come back, yeah, there was a former Bears coach in the middle of everything on Sunday and he was asked about it and had something to say. We'll hear from Matt Nagy next on Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Score. Are you going to dad dance again this year like you did last year and bring the house down? <laughs> uh, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> That was uh, for me. I'll tell you what. I was trying to. I, I told my wife I was trying to act like I had all the the good moves, but uh, it it didn't. It backfired a little bit. I uh, got made fun of by uh, a lot of the dads here, at my kids' schools, and and all my buddies. So uh, that was that was it for that. I'll be uh, a lot more chill this time. Welcome back. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. Molly out today. That's a familiar voice. That belonged to Matt Nagy. The Chiefs offensive coordinator who was on 610 Sports in Kansas City this morning talking about the Chiefs parade, which is today. Matt Nagy made quite a stir, had a viral moment last year, I believe, at the parade, celebrating his first of two Super Bowls. I'd be celebrating too if I got fired by the Bears and a year later I was getting sides for a Super Bowl ring and now he gets another. Matt Nagy, back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Get to him. Get back to him in a moment. How about Nick Allegretti? Speaking of the Chiefs, pride of Frankfurt, Lincoln Way East High School, proud Fighting Illini. Started for Joe Tooney at guard. Good old number seventy-three. Nick Allegretti, friend of the program, certainly his family is too. Played all seventy-nine snaps. And in the second quarter, he tore his UCL 
in action blocking. And he played the rest of the game with a torn UCL in his elbow. Not easy to do if you are an offensive lineman. Blocking with your arms. With a torn ligament in your elbow. Got to have surgery. Isn't this a Tommy John surgery? And This is like crazy. How did he play? Tough guy. Tough kid. No kid. He's a man. He's a grown man. He's got three Super Bowl rings now. Nick Allegretti, good for him, was a free agent last year, went back to the Chiefs. They welcome him back. uh, They value his input. They value his teamwork. They value so much about what he brings to the table in terms of just being a professional, his versatility. And he's a good blocker. He's a good lineman. Why isn't he a Bear? Why is he not on the Chicago Bears? Winner? Local, I mean, they have a lot of local guys, no offense, but like now he's got the pedigree of the Chiefs' pedigree on him. So if he's a free agent again, and I think he is, did the Bears get involved? Not like they don't, they, they, they could use some help on their offensive line. Back to Matt Nagy. So he was being interviewed, not just because they wanted to talk about his dad moment last year when he was dancing at the parade, but remember when Travis Kelsey bumped Andy Reid. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, at least they won. Oh, that's a fire and passion. Oh, that's going to be excused. Even Dave Wanstead, our guy, I thought the coach of coaches was going to say that's uncalled for, unacceptable. But no, he was like, yeah, and then he did the battle. Didn't like it. I didn't like it. It was a blow up between Kelsey and Andy Reid. And it kind of revealed that the Chiefs were starting to lose it. Their composure was rattled. And... After that happened, after that blow-up, Matt Nagy apparently gathered the offense. And this was captured by inside the NFL cameras. And Matt Nagy gathered him. He said, this is what he said to his team, according to inside the NFL. Emotions right now just stick together. We just got each other. That's who we are. We talked last night about being us and being champions. These are the moments where it doesn't get too big. Stick together. Good for Matt Nagy. Not going to be remembered as the greatest leader of men necessarily in Chicago. Affable guy, likable guy, offensive-minded, sure. He really, he stepped up. He rose up at the Super Bowl, gathered the offense, said, be you, essentially, which is written on his play sheet. We all know that. Be you. This is who we are. This is why we're tested. So he was asked about that this morning on 610 Sports in Kansas City, and this is what he had to say. There was the deal with Travis and Andy Reid, and I was reading a quote this morning that, like, you guys, you gathered everybody after that and gave them a big old pep talk. Like, what went on down there with, with all of that and you giving everybody a pep talk to get them back into the game? Yeah, you know what? The, the biggest thing is what you could feel at that time. I mean, it's, it's such a big game, and we've been through so much throughout the year. And in particular, on our side of the ball in offense, you know, the highs and lows throughout the year. And I think one of our greatest strengths um, of the whole season that got us to that point in that moment has been sticking together and, um, you know, staying composed throughout. And, and sometimes it's not just composed within the game, but composed in meetings, composed in practice, composed the night before the game. And in that moment, you could just get a sense that um, we weren't being us necessarily. And I felt like it's my job as the leader of those guys on the sideline 
um, it, it's okay for those guys to be emotional um, and, and to feel that. So it was just my job and my role to make sure I pull us all back together. And that was kind of our talk as well at halftime was let's just, let's just be us. Let's stay composed. If we do that, we'll get right back on track. We'll work off of our defense. who has been doing it all year long. Let's, let's win, uh, you know, complimentary football and, and just settle the guys down. And I, I feel like we all needed that. Matt Nagy, big moment, huge moment at the Super Bowl. And in the context of NFL history, the Chiefs regaining their composure, coming back from being 10 down, regrouping at halftime. You point to that as a, as a pivot point. I think Matt Nagy, it's not quite the Jason Hayward type moment of the Cubs in 2016, but you got to give Matt Nagy some credit here for being that leader of the offense, taking that role seriously enough to get people on the same page and to move on from what was a very uncomfortable moment. I mean, there was a record audience watching the Super Bowl and 123.4 million people. I'm pretty sure that there were millions of people that looked at that and said, what are you doing, Travis Kelsey? Clean it up. You don't bump your coach. You want to yell at him, fine. You don't make physical contact. Matt Nagy deserves some credit there. I do wonder what's next for him. I do wonder if this will get some attention. It certainly was captured by Inside the NFL when that video and footage comes out and is released. That'll get more traction in play. I do wonder what this does for his image. I do wonder what this does for his coaching pedigree and resume. I want to say he's going to be an NFL head coach again. I'm pretty sure that he wants that. He's one of three Chiefs assistants that could reasonably say they deserve to be a head coach. Dave Tobe, I think his time has probably passed, but the special teams coordinator, former Bears assistant, he certainly could qualify and is as qualified as many of the guys who were hired this cycle. Goodness sakes. Steve Spagnolo. He deserves another shot. I know he's in his early 60s, but look at who was just hired. Steve Spagnuolo deserves another shot. Probably didn't get a fair look when he coached the Rams. As a head coach there, there are a lot of things that were in disarray in St. Louis at the time. He's on that staff. And then Matt Nagy. His four years in Chicago ended poorly. And yeah, he could... He could toss a word salad like every any like nobody else. There are a few coaches who said more without saying much than Matt Nagy. He could talk himself in circles. But I do think that there's something there. And I do wonder if things will come around again because he is on the verge of being part of something historically good in the NFL and being part of something that's never happened in the National Football League. If he's the offensive coordinator of a team that goes for a three-peat, successfully completes a three-peat, dare I say he will be a head coach again. And I think he would would deserve it. Eric Bieniemy might be coming back. He might be rejoining the staff. That could be awkward, but it also could be, hey, Andy Reid, you know, more the merrier. Let's bring the brain power in. I think, Dustin, before the show we were talking about this, you said it was similar to what the Alabama effect 
in college football. All you wayward coaches, come work for Nick Saban and resuscitate your career. We will fix your reputation and send you back to be a head coach somewhere else. Look at how well it did for you know Shark After Dark, as he used to be nicknamed. <laughs> Sark After Dark, right? Sark. Did I yeah. say Shark? Shark. Sorry, I'm not 100%. Sark. Sark I'm sorry. Dark. I know. You're playing hurt today. You know what I meant. I do know what you meant. Uh, Lane Kiffin. Bill O'Brien. Well, look at Bill. I mean, we didn't even get to talk about that. Look at Bill O'Brien's like merry-go-round over the last, what, is it 30 days even? Talk about falling up. I mean, he goes from he goes from Alabama to Ohio State. Then he's now he's at Boston College. And then Chip Kelly quits as a head Kelly? coach to become the OC at Ohio State. That's absurd. Quits being a head coach to be an offensive We didn't talk about that in this show, did no. we? Not once. Chip Kelly going from UCLA head coach to Ohio State assistant coach is bonkers to me. Bonkers. Which is a better job? Which is the better job? I'm asking you. It's not a rhetorical question. Isn't the Ohio State offensive coordinator a lesser job than the UCLA head coach? Well, but I think you could really rebrand yourself. I, I just wonder. We're seeing. Like, I wonder if long-time guys don't want to be head coaches in this NIL era. You know, Chip Kelly is an offensive coordinator, just has to worry about offense. He's not worried about all the NIL stuff. He's It'll affect re- him. He's got to recruit quarterbacks. you got to recruit Does receivers. He? Is that his job? It, well, look at all the money, though, that Ohio State is spending. C.J. Stroud, Stroud is in a special sphere of donators to the Ohio State because they donate X amount of money to help provide NIL. Points well taken. I just think you want to be the head coach. It's like what we were saying. You should. You should want to be. It's like what we were saying yesterday. We had the discussion about Ryan Poles. Would you want to be the assistant general manager of a team that's going to win back-to-back Super Bowls? Or would you want to be the general manager of a team that's going to lose, you know, 10, lose 24 games in two seasons? Have a historically bad year in your first year on the job. Is that a better job? Well, Chip Kelly would say, no, I'm going to go where there's no pressure, all the money. Well, he's got a lot of pressure. Not as much as being a head coach. Nah. Yeah, no. no. You're the boss. Is anybody paying attention in L.A.? <laughs> They're joining the Big Ten. Well, and he might see that he might not last very long as the head coach, but he might last longer as the OC. It just stinks. They came out last month. And they defended Chip Kelly, who people were calling for his job. And they backed him up. And you know what he was doing? He was, he was, he was devising plan B. And he was drawing up the escape hatch. And then he backed his way into Columbus. Well, I, as somebody who likes to root against Ohio State, I really wondered. I thought, ooh, damn, this could really, this could really hurt them. Bravo. And then, boom, they land Chip Kelly. Like, I did not see that coming. I didn't at this see that sta- coming At this either. stage of the game. 847 says, David, you are so off base. I've been hearing that a lot this morning, haven't I? David, you are so off base. The Chiefs had their worst offensive year in the Mahomes era. I wouldn't be shocked if they fire Nagy. I'm pretty sure that is what Kelsey was yelling. Stop letting Nagy call plays. I don't that's think funny. that's what he was yelling. That's funny, but yeah, Matt Nagy's not going anywhere. They also had the worst receiving core of the Mahomes era. They probably had as many injuries. And I'm not going to sit here and, and nominate 
Matt Nagy for Offensive Coach of the Year. But we all remember, you know, when it comes to coaching resumes and coaching tenures, we tend to grade the grade the flashes. Matt Nagy had a flash point at the Super Bowl. That's gonna that's gonna last. That's gonna linger. And so I think that Matt Nagy's days as the NFL head coach might not be done yet. And frankly, I hope he gets another job. I liked Matt Nagy. I understand whether he got fired. I I think he deserved to lose his job at the time. Nobody was necessarily sorry to see him go in Chicago. But as a person, he was an easy guy to like. Tremendous guy to talk to. And I hope he gets another head coaching job. All right, right now, you can be the sixth caller to the scores contest line. 312-540-0670. And you will win. Tickets to see Santana with Counting Crows Saturday, June 29th. Credit Union 1 Amphitheater, Tinley Park. Tickets at LiveNation.com on sale Friday at 10 a.m. 312 texter. David, you nailed it. UCLA is joining the Big Ten. Would you want to coach a team that is going to win two or three games? You don't look at it that way if you're the coach of UCLA, do you? If you're the coach of a Pac-10 team joining the Big Ten, don't you think you're going to take this conference by storm? Don't you want that job? I saw they talked to uh, P.J. Fleck, or they were flirting with the idea of P.J. Fleck in Minnesota before, before they went a different different direction. What's please? He's an accomplished coach. Well, earlier today we talked about was it the Bears or was it the Steelers that put out the report about Justin Feelers? You know, was it the agent or was it the agent that put out the story about <laughs> P.J. Fleck? You don't think that P.J. Fleck was taken seriously by UCLA? No. You think they were straight on Deshaun Foster as their head coach all along? I don't know about straight two, but I don't think P.J. Fleck was an option. I was talking to Big Z over the weekend about this, and he was just as skeptical. I don't know. Row the boat. That's that's P.J.'s Must thing. be a Western suburbs thing. Row the yacht. Would that be the case in UCLA? Ask Chip Kelly. <laughs> anyway, UCLA settled on their coach, and Minnesota gets to keep theirs, and all is well that ends well. All right, it's time for transition. Hey, it's a Layla Wednesday. Layla Rahimi is in. Dan and Lawrence are next. It's Molly and Haas, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.